You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Come on, that guy's having dinner on the tailgate of the truck in the field of wheat at 1 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I said dinner at 1 p.m. It, yeah, because yeah, dinner is at noon. All you weirdos that have dinner at 6 o'clock, it's pretty late. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra. He is Brazilian Thai, and the Calgary Stampede is underway. Mm-hmm. I know you were watching the Chuck Wagons. How'd your bets do, buddy? I know you bet on it. I lost sixteen dollars tonight. Well, not not so bad. Uh, we we did it. We did skins format, so it was a tunia race with carryovers. Uh, we only had we only picked three winners tonight. Uh, and I picked the one barrel in heats one and three, and both guys finished fourth. So I was off to a ripping, rip-roaring start early on. Well, Ty, have you ever been to the Stampede? Not to the Stampede, no. Um, you know how much I love big crowds, oh, though. They're the best. Oh, yeah, they're the best. My God. I feel like two and out on the midway would actually be a great, great feature. <laughs> I hate. I don't like rides, though. But if we're going to go play over under seven like we did when we were 14 again. Was that even legal? No. Aww. They had no problem taking our money. They didn't care. <laughs> Let's go through week four. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Well, the week started with the Montreal Alouettes beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 36-29. to I am pretty sure that absolutely, well, let's say about 98% of everybody's pick was messed mm-hmm. up after this game because, you know what, I, I know even the most diehard Montreal Alouettes fans were probably dreading uh, watching this game after the Tiger Cats just absolutely worked them the week before. It, it just shows you how hard it is to beat a team twice in a row it is really not that easy to do and then i know the alouettes were really fired up uh at home and that really helps with the home opener but they just got off to a very very quick start and didn't look back really they just dominated them with the run oh, I mean, you have william standback going off for 203 yards on the ground and three touchdowns uh it's really hard to beat a team when when they're rushing like that and with like it's just so easy to control the clock and and you know run over Hamilton basically and wear that defense down. And I know people are really going to laugh at this, but I really don't think the Alouettes have looked this good since Anthony Calvillo when he ended up having to retire after the 2013 season. I I know I had some people mention Jeff Matthews from last season. Mm -hmm. Some will probably mention Jonathan Crompton or something like that, but they have not looked uh, this good since Calvillo. 
when's the last time the Alouettes actually went five drives in a row with a score? And they actually did that in the second half in this mm-hmm. one. Field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. That that has to be not since Calvillo that they've done something like that. And just a testament to that team. Because, man, the the Ticats, they're no slouches. They're the favorites in the East. Yeah, this was exactly opposite of what happened last week. Uh, you know, the score doesn't really dictate it, but Montreal controlled this game from start to finish and it just dominated. And, and it looked like Hamilton just did not have an answer uh, until late in the game, which, I mean, usually is how it plays out in the CFL uh, when a team has a lead, uh, unless you're playing the Riders. So... You know, and yeah, like you said, like just a, a completely different team on both both teams are just completely different to to what we've seen uh, so far this year for sure. And you know what? I really just think it started in the trenches with the Montreal Alouettes. They had such mm-hmm. a young young team with. I guess you can call them prospects like uh, John Stone and Rutherford. And I think a really fun part uh, in this game was Luke Broder. Jordan ends up uh, coming into the game in the first quarter, leaves the game, gets a standing (laughs) O from uh, the fans at Percival Molson. He's uh, teary eyed. He leaves the game. But then there's an injury and he has to come back. And play the rest of the game at center. So when he thought his career was done, he still had about three and a half more quarters to play for the Montreal Alouettes. I just thought it was a cool moment. But what better way to get uh, a young offensive line involved than when running the ball? So running the ball that much with standback really made the difference. Well, and look at them on first down. 355 yards on 39 plays. They averaged 9.1 yards on first down and that you do that. It, it's really hard to lose a football game. Uh, you know, it, like, like you said, you, you establish the run early, you get that O line involved and it just, it, it usually works in your favor and it was no different Thursday. I think the question here is that can the Alouettes do it again? They, they had good attendance, Percival Molson, they had a great atmosphere there. I know they reduced the capacity this year, but man, that stadium was really, really rocking, and they need to follow it up because it's happened with both Toronto and Montreal. They get good crowds, good atmosphere, and then they just they they don't get it done but putting up 36 points for that crowd man i would love uh, to see that place full again and uh, one of the crown jewels of the canadian football league oh that's another thing they have to do this again uh, this cannot be a flash in the pan if they want people to keep coming back uh, and and you know when you look when they showed crowd shots it looked like there was a lot of young people and when i say when i say young i mean our age uh, <laughs> or, or a little young, like it wasn't skewed as old or as, as older as you know it it uh, it's made out to be uh, when we talk about crowd demographics in the CFL. I think one of the big things here is that the Ticats just weren't in sync at all, and I know it's weird to say because Jeremiah Mazzoli still threw mm-hmm. for 400 yards, and it, it's just so tough to limit a guy like Brandon Banks. He came out here and I know he had 87 yards receiving and you know when another receiver is 87 yards you're going to say oh that, that was a good day I, I think he had a really good game but Brandon Banks it's almost like anything less than 100 you've done 
you've done something right as a defense. So, yeah, he has been the absolute man with the Ticats since June Jones started uh, started him on the offense. So the fact that the Owls limited him was huge. Yeah, under 100 yards, they kept him out of the end zone. Uh, and I, I think the biggest part, like you said, the the offense didn't look like it was in sync. I mean, Sean Thomas Erlington out early in this one. You know, he only rushed it once. Uh, you know, their leading rusher with, was Anthony Coombs, and he he rushed the ball six times for 51 yards. Uh, they they just seemed uh, that, like you said, out of sync, and, and maybe just Sean Thomas. I'm guessing the game plan was probably to get Thomas Erlington the ball and, you know, try to run it down Montreal's throat to set up everything else, and then, you know, you you got you to gotta adapt on the fly there when he goes down there early. I got to think that the, the Tiger Cats are probably happy that they've gone Canadian mm-hmm. at uh, running back. I, I just feel so bad for Sean Thomas Erlington. He had, you know, 80 to 90 friends and family there. He, he did his college football in Montreal. He was born there. Yeah. But they also have depth. A Canadian at running back. Malik Irons comes in. I know he didn't do much in this game, but Anthony Coombs rolled in and he had himself a game. And he comes in, he gets himself, what, about 60 yards rushing, right? Yeah, he, he had himself uh, 51 yards rushing, but he had 61 yards receiving. So look at that. His first game as a Hamilton Tiger Cat and he's got over a hundred uh all purpose yards. You gotta think that Toronto would be able to find a use for that, no? Oh Tr- Toronto needs a lot of help. They probably they, a bigger end zone would help too, but we'll get to that later. Yes, we will. <laughs> I gotta wonder if Jalen Acklin is a legitimate second option or even a third option in uh, Hamilton because Brandon Banks, you can't argue with that. Uh, making his return to the roster this week was Luke Tasker at six catches for 58 yards. But Jalen Acklin led everyone. It was $2,500 on a TSN CFL Fantasy, but eight catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he literally got half of my points in CFL Fantasy this week, which is not good, but the Tigats are going to, I think, welcome that option to the receiving core. Yeah, uh, for sure. When you got guys like Tasker and and Banks ahead of them, uh, it can be a little tough to to get looks. And then if Braylon Addison's healthy, uh, you know, it just knocks him that further down the depth chart. But you, know, you come out, like you said, 8-10 and 10 for 120 a touchdown. That's a pretty good showing and, uh, you know, a chance – he got a chance and he he killed it. He he capitalized on the opportunity and showed what he could do and it, it turned out real well. And like you said, he had half your points. He had 26 fantasy points uh, on Thursday night, which is not bad <laughs> if you're the number three option or, well, number three option on the depth chart. But, I mean, he was targeted 10 times, so uh, him and Banks got the brunt of the work for the now, offense. Now I just got to take uh... – time to talk about Chris Frey Jr., who was really playing his ass off at the end of the game, trying to be the special teams hero for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It was in the final minutes or near the end of the game when he almost recovered the onside kick. It was just unfortunate. He almost made a great play there when he he batted the ball out of the bounds, making sure that the Ticats would get the ball back. But he did step out of bounds first. And he couldn't do that. And then the defense makes a stop. And you kind of wondered, well, let's see what he's going to do here. And he, he 
he made himself or he redeemed himself a little bit by blocking the punt. But the new rule, the way it is, he bumped into the kicker, causing a roughing the kicker penalty. I know it's the rule. But it's stupid. Yeah, I don't know what a guy's supposed to do. He he jumped. It's it's not like it was malicious, and he just hammered the kicker or anything. And I know the call had to be made, but I just think everybody would have liked to have seen the Ticats have the opportunity to send this game to overtime. Well, and we've seen it the last couple of years where kickers are leaving their leg up after after they punt to to try to get this call. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if you touch the ball, it as long as you're not, like you see in the NBA, sliding under the guy when he's in the air, he, he didn't do that. So as far as I'm concerned, this rule is stupid. I, I understand why it's there. Uh, I, I get like it, The plant leg is very vulnerable. I mean, it's an easy way to blow it a knee or whatever, uh, but this is football. Now, coming into the season, Delvin Bro was hyped up more than just about any other cornerback in uh, the Canadian Football League. There was the TSN mm-hmm. Top 50 players that uh, came out just before the season started, and he was in the top 10. And most most of the time, cornerbacks mm-hmm. don't get this kind of respect, but we've seen it so far this season where uh, the Riders picked on him in the first game of the season, and I kind of wondered if that was just because uh, mm-hmm. they had the rookies in there. Isaac Harker had no problem throwing the ball in Delvin Bro's direction, but they had no problem throwing the ball in his direction in this game yeah. either, and the problem is, is that Bro was giving up penalties. He was in the... What, the second quarter? He ended up giving up a pass interference penalty. And then, let's see here, he gave up another pass interference penalty in the fourth quarter. That was a 26-yard one. So teams are throwing his way. I, I know he was kind of considered there, and I know Marshall, again, is hurt for the Riders, but he was considered one of the best in the league. He's uh, He's had a rough start so far. You know, you look at it. They had 179 yards in penalties, and you would think you would think that that's really that's going to be tough to to win a football game. Well, Montreal had 154, so I mean both teams shot themselves in the foot penalty wise. I mean Montreal probably could have been up, you know, up more without all the penalties they took, uh, and it, and then maybe this this last minute and a half doesn't even matter, but. You know, and but the two penalties at the end of the game are the ones that are going to stand out the most, and it's just a timing thing. But like, yeah, it's just, I, I hate that rule. I think it's dumb. I think if you get the ball, it, it's, it's the same with with pass interference. If the ball's tipped at the line, you can basically knock down the receiver, right? It doesn't matter anymore. I, I just don't understand why. I, I get the, that the plant leg's vulnerable, but what's a guy supposed to do? He, he's diving. He like he said, he cannot change where he's going to go. Uh, and it doesn't help that the defender at the same time, or not the defender, sorry, the the uh, the lineman is like is still trying to push him and you know get him out of the kicking lane, and and that doesn't help, and then it becomes unpredictable, and and this is what happens, and, and the rule is dumb. I think they need to change it back, to, and I think well, or just change it to if if you get if you get a piece of the ball, then you're not gonna as long as it's not malicious or you're not sliding underneath the foot of the kicker so he can't land because that, that's a good way to tear an ankle apart, uh, then there should be no flag. But I, 
it it sucks because it, it looked so good, it looked so promising, and then you know you get the flag, and I just thought it was a flag for no yards uh, because the Montreal cover guy caught the ball, and then it ends up being roughing the kicker, and at that point, I just turned the TV off. Well, on to the next game where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers absolutely dominate the Ottawa Red Blacks, twenty nine to fourteen. I think the Red Blacks coming off the bye, but the Bombers have won their last few games in Ottawa here. And, you know, there was no Adam Big Hill here, but Dom Davis coming off the bye against his old team. Who is he? I I think he he had a lot of uh, expectations coming into this one. I know it's early in the season. It's technically his first year as a starter, but who is he? Uh, I think we basically saw him on Friday night. I think the the first two games are those outliers. You're never as good as you are when you're at your best. And you're never as bad as you are when you're at your worst. You're somewhere in the middle. Uh, I mean, he didn't have his best game. He didn't have his worst game that I've seen him play uh, on Friday night. You know, 21 for 36 for 234 through two picks, only the one rushing attempt, uh, you know, 5.6 fantasy points. Thanks for thanks for the five point six fantasy points. I still won the week, but man, that's terrible. Oh, man, you did win your Canadian Football Podcast Network <laughs> fantasy challenge because yes, I did. I don't know how. <laughs> I had an absolutely brutal, brutal week. I scored less than sixty, but there were some other rough scores in the network. Actually, and we, we both did. We not both have Sean Thomas. Well, Arlington? you know what? I think ninety eight percent of uh Seafield <laughs> fantasy players had Sean Thomas Erlington. He was just putting up some office or great mm-hmm. great numbers here, but you end up uh beating Superfan Mike. I end up losing to Sheldon from Horseman Radio. He beat me by just under 30 points. So I had two zeros cuz I had Shaq Evans in there as well. Coming up it's you versus me. So we're head-to-head this week. I'm looking forward to that. But, man, I just think mm-hmm. due to some of the injuries here, some of the players that uh, we weren't expecting to do well, like I'm um, talking Quan Bray in Montreal, I guess Jalen Acklin in Hamilton, there were just some rough weeks across the league uh, due to the injuries. Uh, I guess we can call them less than average weeks. <laughs> Average is polite way to put it, yeah. You know what? In this game, I think what was crazy about it is that Ottawa had an opportunity, all the opportunity in the world, to win the game and dominate Winnipeg's front seven here because Adam Big Hill wasn't in there. But they give Moses Madu, what, four four carries, six carries, something like that? What what are they thinking? You, if, Especially with this bomber defense, and we've talked about for the last couple of years, you know they're not the easiest to, to throw against. They might. It's a little different now, but if you're only going to rush the ball eight times, you're basically beating yourself. They rushed the ball for eight times for 24 yards. What is that like? What are you doing? That that makes zero sense. You have 258 total offensive yards. In a game, you're not going to win that football game. And and they like you said, they had an opportunity with Adam Big Hill out for Moses Madu to do some damage, only giving the ball six times. Granted, he was only averaging three yards a carry, but you got to keep giving him the rock and and you know hit this defense in the teeth and try to get them to back off. And because they didn't do that, they're able to sit back on the pass and just wait. Dom Davis throws two picks and they lose by two scores. Well, and another thing, you texted me. Matt Nichols himself had uh, over 200 yards 
in the first half. He barely got that, if he got that, in uh, previous weeks. And he just looked great. He ended up leaving the game in uh, the second half after a pretty hard hit. So I think Bomber fans are going to want him to be okay. I know Strebler comes with a little bit of hype. I think on the Prairies, if you're a backup quarterback, everybody loves you. But you did text me, who is this quarterback? And what did he do with Matt Nichols after that big, big reception to uh, Nick Dembski, who had over 100 yards on, uh, on the game? When did Winnipeg start throwing downfield? Like, what is this? You know what? I think we can look at this Bombers roster, too, and just talk about all the weapons that they have. I know a lot of people were excited to take Lucky Whitehead in this one, but he had one catch for 16 yards. So if it's not Lucky Whitehead, it's, you know, Drew Wolitarski, or it's, you know, Chris Matthews, who hasn't had a big game yet. Uh, or it's Nick Dembski, or it's Darvin Dar- Adams. Or Darvin Adams. Like they have all the weapons right now, uh, you know. And we we both we both thought with Big Hill out, this was a chance for Ottawa to stay undefeated. You know, they're going to be able to run the ball, they're going to be able to set stuff up off of the run, and they do they do none of that. And like with all the weapons we just listed off, they, and they didn't even bring up Andrew Harris. <laughs> and and they still have Chris Matthews, who's who's still going to draw attention, right? So, I mean, th- this is this is probably the most complete team in the league right now, and it's they're fun to watch. Uh, and th- they showed that they are legit. Uh, and and you know, we we kind of had questions with them missing Big Hill, but they didn't skip a beat. And you know what? Yeah, Andrew Harris really did get involved here. He had mm-hmm. the eighty yards on the ground, but he also added the fifty uh, through the air. So it's like, I mean, if you stop Harris, then They've got these other weapons, and Winnipeg has never been able to say that. You either shut down Harris and you shut down the whole team, and <laughs> really, it's just like neither got shut down here. No, and you know they have such great balance in their offense with all of you know Darvin Adams, Lucky Whitehead, Nick Dembski, uh, Chris Matthews, who's still going to draw the attention. Like I was saying, Drew Latarski, Andrew, everybody does. Everybody brings a little something different to the table, and like you see. That you know, guys like Lucky Whitehead can get in behind coverage. Dembski can run out of the backfield when you need him to, and, and you know, make the possession catches. And you got Chris Matthews, who's a big-bodied receiver. Uh, Darvin Adams, who can who can make those plays when you need him to. It's just no matter where Matt Nichols is going with the ball. Uh, I mean, he threw for eighty percent on on Friday night. That is ridiculous. It just seems every time he throws the ball, it's usually a high percentage throw. And, you know, he throws it into a spot where only his guy can get it. And these guys just make play after play and and they're winning football games. It's fun to watch. Another thing here is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were just another team that just dominated the time of possession. It almost seemed like a a theme this week. Just over 39 Mm -hmm. minutes. Man, you just can't allow that to happen. They basically had it for 67% of the game. You know, I saw this thrown around and I got to ask you this. Who currently has the best secondary in the CFL? Trey Roberson on his own. Okay, yeah. I think Trey Roberson right now could probably be anyone. uh, What about Ottawa? Antoine Pruneau, Anthony Chaffee, Sherrod Baltimore. Yeah, they've got some playmakers. Oh, Jonathan Rose, Mm -hmm. say what you want about him. Oh, yeah. I think the big problem with the defense right now, if there is one, they're just inconsistent when it comes to 
pressuring the quarterback. You know, I really like Avery Williams, who actually had eight tackles in this one. I think J.R. Tavai has a lot of potential here. He had six tackles himself, and they, they do have Jonathan Newsom. I, I do like these guys, but if they could, you know, get to the quarterback more, and pressure the quarterback more. And I know that's probably tough to do with uh, Matt Nichols and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But if they could get more pressure on the quarterback, they might be a top third defense in this league. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, and getting pressure is, is such a huge part uh, for your secondary, not giving that quarterback time. And he's more apt to make mistakes if you can get to him early. And, you know, they're just not getting that. They didn't get that pressure at all, it seemed. Uh, on Friday night, I don't think, yeah, they had, they had two sacks or one, one sack, sorry, one sack. Like if you're not going to get to the quarterback, you're going to make it really hard on yourself to win. You're putting a lot of pressure on your secondary. And I mean, I know Matt Nichols left the game, but Strebler comes in and goes six for eight for 42 with a touchdown and a pick. I mean, they, they threw for 404 yards or 304 yards, which I mean, is it's Anything over 300 is usually a pretty good night, and you know Ottawa just had no answer, and they couldn't stop them. They like they could, it can't get pressure. It's really hard. It puts so much pressure on your secondary to step up and make plays, and just play after play, uh, getting getting thrown at like that. Uh, you know when when the quarterback has so much time, it, it makes it really hard on the defense. Oh, and you know what? Another thing here, he didn't have a rush, r- running game, Dom Davis, and the receivers didn't help him at all I, I know there were Dominic Rhymes he had himself mm-hmm. uh, another little nice game here he had himself oh let's see here he had uh, six catches for 58 yards uh, RJ Harris had six catches for 87 but guess what Brad Sinopoli one catch for eight yards it seems like you, you slow him down and challenge the other inexperienced receivers to to make plays I know Caleb Hawley's getting a big opportunity here with the Red Blacks. He had some costly, costly drops here. And, you know, a lot of the receivers had costly mm-hmm. drops. And Caleb Hawley had four catches for uh, 39 yards. No, and a quarterback, I mean, when when they only run the yeah, ball Davis eight all times. Davis the world. Quarterback's throwing it 36 times. Uh, you know, you need, you need to make those plays for your quarterback. Uh, it's much like in hockey. You show me a good goaltender, I'll show you a good coach. Uh, you know, if, if your receivers are, are dropping the balls, are going to make a quarterback look so bad. I think one more thing on this game. How about Justin Medlock's big play? He he struggled in this one. He missed two field goals, and that's not not very common from a guy like no. Justin Medlock. But there was a play in the second half when he uh, punted the ball. Ryan Lankford, former Blue Bomber, kind of just let it sit there. But Medlock rocketed down the field and booted the ball out of bounds, which means that it is Winnipeg ball inside Ottawa's 10. You don't usually see that from Medlock. Not from Medlock. No, you don't see him, you know, he, he's no Jamie Borum. I love that play. You know, in the in the middle of everything. Uh, you know, but lost in this, because they lost the football game, is Lewis Ward. Two for two. When they kicked that 53-yarder, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Dead Dead, dead straight, dead middle. He's at the streaks at what fifty nine now because he hit two. Every kick now is a record, a record breaker. So I mean, Rod Black can have a heyday with that if he ever calls an Ottawa game. Can he get to a hundred and just miss his next kick? Travis. Well, some men just like to watch. <laughs> if, the he get, world if he burn. gets a streak to to ninety nine, 
his career percentage will be 99%. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you in part by the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit happening October 10th at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel. All the information at wellnesssummit.ca. They've got all sorts of great keynote speakers this year. It is just awesome. And I keep talking about him. Drew Dudley, who did a TED Talk. It's like six minutes long. It's all about lollipop moments, talking on how you can be a leader and how you can have an influence on someone's life. Just doing everyday awesome things. It's like six minutes long. You should really just Google Drew Dudley and lollipop moments. You'll feel really good and it'll put a lot of thing, uh, things into perspective here. But uh, this year, the focus on the summit is uh, on what it takes to create a healthy workplace culture where everybody in the building absolutely thrives. And I think the really cool thing about this summit is that they you don't just sit there with your pen and paper and listen to these speakers talk and then you go on your well way. You get to make some connections. You get to network a little bit. You get to chat face-to-face with these amazing speakers and really learn face-to-face. There's nothing better than making that personal connection there. So learn more about the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit happening at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel October 10th. All that information is at the wellnesssummit.ca, thewellnesssummit.ca. Well, our next game was just uh, <laughs> an interesting game with the Lions beating the Argos 18-17. Uh, I'm just seeing the stat sheet here. I don't think it's true, but it actually says zero people were at the game. Yeah. Well, and you know what? The, the the side that the camera's on always looks more full, but the other side just looks hot. It was 27 degrees at the game, and I think those people sitting on that side just cook. It, it how do you do it? I don't I don't understand how people like like right now in my condo it's 25 and a half degrees and I am leaking. No, oh, no. What happened to your AC, man? It's broken. Ooh. Getting it fixed on Friday. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but see, I'm on the road. Well, hopefully starting Tuesday. So then, I, they, they, I make sure my hotel room has AC. It's the first thing I do when I get into a hotel room. Turn it all the way down to 16. When I so as I'm unloading the truck, it's not too bad. Right? 16 degrees, man. <laughs> yeah. I put it a 19, and I think I'm actually pretty cold. Uh, I think a big thing here is that the the Mike Riley and Lamar Durant connection. Uh, Durant continues his streak. He has a touchdown in every single game so far. Oh, and good for 27.5 points. Like you said, it keeps the streak alive. Uh, and we, we, we figured coming in against this Toronto defense that, uh, you know, we could load up on BC Lions and fantasy, and I, I kind of did. I had Durant and John White and Duran Carter, who, I mean, whatever, 4.7 points. I guess it's not the worst he's ever had. Uh, but, yeah, like nine catches on 11. It's thrown to 11 times. White, Katoy, and Carter got targeted four each, and that was the next closest to Lamar Durant. So he, he's becoming a, a Mike Riley favorite for sure, it looks like. Uh, I, I think everybody expected Duran Carter to come out and have a big one in this one because Brian Burnham, was uh, not playing. I think they expected, I expected anyway, Mike Riley to have a big game against the Argo defense. But Corey Chamberlain, he had him prepared in this one. He had him playing some decent football to to limit the the Lions as much as they could. I know that the 
John White ended up having over 100 yards on the ground again, having a good game, and the Lions controlled the clock and the time of possession again. But the Lions, they, they actually started four Canadian receivers, eight overall on offense. I think it's been a long time since we've seen a CFL team do that. Maybe the Riders that were making the Grey Cups in 09 and uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. With the, with the Canadian Air Force, and you know you have you usually have at least three of them on the offensive line. Uh, it, yeah, it, to start four Canadian receivers, I thought right away. I'm like, I don't want to crap on the Canadian receivers, but I mean, th- that might be a saving grace for Toronto. Like a lot of these guys, like Rashawn Simonize has never really uh, turned into what to, to a first round pick like he was. Right? Uh, I believe he was a first round pick. I'm not sure if he was a first round pick, but uh, he was but he, with the there, Bengals. He, he in but, Cincinnati. He definitely had an NFL yeah, pedigree. There was, there was big things expected from Rashawn Simonize, and that hasn't panned out. Uh, you know, and then you have Lamar Durant, who was kind of buried on the depth chart in Calgary, but this year is kind of a coming out for him, uh, being paired with Mike Riley and being a, an integral part of that receiving core. Uh, and, and yeah, like it, I mean, a lot of guys that you know haven't played a lot in this league, uh, starting at receiver for BC, and I, I thought this that that'll be Toronto's only chance. Uh, they couldn't get it done. Uh, but, I mean, Durant comes out and has the game he does, and then Katoy uh, there with 44 uh, as the next leading receiver for BC. I mean, uh, Mike kind of – he spread the ball around, but he really targeted it on Durant. And, like you said, most outstanding Canadian, uh, if he keeps this up, uh, definitely within reach. You know what, and I think this game is all about special teams and is all on the Toronto Argonauts here. Yep. The kicker, Drew Brown, oh, he had – uh, just a, a rough game. I know everybody's going to blame the last play, but <laughs> they ended up missing a uh, field goal at the end of the first half. So there's points off the board there. They botched an extra point. So there's another point off the board there. And uh, we want to talk about Chris Rainey on special teams, which was good and bad. Uh, and I know we'll get to the last play there, but he ended up having a uh, return, I think a 79-yarder for a touchdown. There was another play when he looked like he was going to have a nice return and then ran into a brick wall called Jordan Herdman Reed, and the ball went flying about 30 yards. And I think the Argos ended up uh, recovering it, but, man, he got smashed. <laughs> yeah, that... That produced a ooh at BPs on Saturday night. It was like, oh, yeah, he just got lit up, and it did not look like it tickled. And I hate to you know, go back to the Drew Brown thing, but, man, that was, that was one of the poorest games I've seen from a kicker in a long time. I mean, <laughs> the Lions probably shouldn't have had an opportunity to win this game before overtime, but the Argos go to kick it off, and he kicks it out of bounds. It's a legal kick. So you honestly, less than a minute left, and you give the Lions great field position here. What the saddest thing is, is you have a 65-yard field. That's how wide it is, and you kick it out of bounds. All you needed to do was kick it deep. It didn't really matter where it went. Just get it deep. I don't even do that on Madden. Like, are there no other kickers? I mean, <laughs> gotta find some guys here, considering they, how many they brought to camp. They brought more kickers than they brought running backs into camp, and they had a crap load of running backs. And and 
This is the guy you I'm kind of curious as to why Josh Bartell hasn't gotten a call. He was with the Riders last year. I know he kind of divides Rider Nation a, mm-hmm. a little bit on what he is, but I think Bartell's better than what they're doing right now. It's just not working. And you know I with the Argos, and we're talking about their struggle with finding a kicker, which actually has continued for a little while now. But the Lions can't find an American receiver. They say that, you know, some of these receivers and running backs, uh, they're kind of a bit of a dime a dozen. You're not going to find the special ones, uh, you know, every offseason. That's understandable. But the Lions, uh, I think they had to start four Canadians because they're better than the Americans on the roster, which on one hand, yeah, that's good. But on the other hand, Man, there is just no depth behind Burnham and Carter. And, well, let's just throw Durant into that class now, too. There's no other receivers that can get it done there. But they couldn't find anybody. No American receivers to go behind Burnham and Carter. No, but, I mean, for now it's working. Uh, you know, and I mean, I think they would have been in this situation even with Emmanuel Arsenal there if he would have stuck around because we don't see him really I don't want to say do anything, but we don't see him become a force until after Labor Day. And I don't know what it is, but it just seems before Labor Day, he's just not, I don't know if, I I don't think it's that he's out of shape or anything like that. I just, I don't know if something clicks or if he just starts making the adjustments he needs to. But I mean, I think they still would have been in this position even with him there, uh, at least at this point in the year. But yeah, like you said, they're supposed to be the easiest things to find out there and they got nobody. I mean, there was lots of guys on the market, and they end up, you know, they got they got Lamar Durant, and it, it's working out with Mike Riley right now. I don't know how long it's going to last, but if if Carter's only getting targeted four times for twenty seven yards, uh, you know, and, and when Burnham goes out, it leaves such a big hole uh, in the receivers there it, that can be really hard to overcome. Uh, I, I think the one the one thing though is that they were playing Toronto, so it's not the hole isn't as magnified as it will be, uh, you know, when they come up against the Calgary like we saw uh you know couldn't hold on to the lead uh last week there you know they go <clears throat> excuse me to Ottawa and like we just talked about their secondary uh and the guys they have up there uh you know they need to they need to find some American depth uh, at the receiver position for sure uh with Mike Riley's able to hide a lot I don't know how long he's gonna be able to hide this and doesn't that last play when Sergio Castillo goes for the win <laughs> sum up Toronto's season? More or less, yep, I think so. I think that pretty much puts a stamp on it that this team is going over for 18. I totally thought I was going over three for Pickham. And then I'm sweating bullets because I bet the farm on the Lions. But you know what? I do have to give credit to Chris Rainey. He did own it in uh, the post-game interview and – it's the rule the way it is. But let's face it, if that kick doesn't go out of bounds, if the Argos make a field goal, make an extra point, they are not in that situation. That one play didn't lose them the game. It's just the way the rule is right now. I don't know what Rainey could have done, but if <laughs> they've got two extra yards, this uh, this game is going overtime if it's at BC Place. I mean... I don't know what Chris Rainey's supposed to do there. He's already pretty close to the line. He can't let that ball go out. He has to make a play on it. He has to, 
maybe the only thing I, I could think would be to like jump and maybe bat it back in and then come and get it. Uh, but then you're, you're running a lot of risk with that. Uh, so I have the zero problem. And yeah, he, he made a mistake. He took one, one too many steps, but I mean, he has to, you, you can't let that ball go out. You can't drop that ball ball. Uh, well you can, but I mean, you, you don't want to bring that into play, uh, with guys bearing down on you there. So it sucks for him, but like you said, he owned it in the post game. Uh, and yeah, two, two extra yards, like that end zone's supposed to be, and, and this isn't even an issue. And he probably just punts it out, and we, we go to overtime. Well, yeah, you know what? When that uh, <laughs> those two defenders ran into each other in the Saskatchewan game, and Kyron Moore ends up scoring a 98-yard <laughs> touchdown. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's almost, like it's almost as good as a couple of years ago. Uh, I can't remember who Saskatchewan was playing, but they were running a post route. And the DB ran, it might have been against Winnipeg, the DB ran smack dab into the goalpost. Yeah, it's an extra defender back there. And receiver was wide open, right? Obviously. You know what? I I, kind of do have to mention James Wilder Jr. for all we've mentioned him negatively this uh, season. He actually, he had some great receiving yards here in uh, this game. He had 76 of them, with a touchdown and seven catches. Well, and James White, that, that was good, or James White, James Wilder Jr., sorry, that was good for 23.9 points fantasy-wise. Chris Rainey, right? Chris Rainey at 14.9. Uh, I mean, James Wilder was second in running backs this week, or sorry, third in running backs this week for his first for fantasy. Uh, and guys like Armani Edwards and Levi Noel are really stepping up uh, when, you know, Darrell Walker's not having the year uh, that we would think, but at the same time, his quarterbacks aren't as good as what he had in, in Edmonton. So it, it's, it's a, lot, a lot of work for him to, I mean, he only got targeted three times. So, and SJ Green targeted eight times. He only caught three of them. So... I mean, they, there's 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 a lot going on in Toronto that needs to be looked at uh, behind center. I think is the biggest issue. I don't know. Uh, I mean, James Wilder. It's hard for a running back to be effective when teams just pin their ears back and and they know, uh, you know, that if he's if he's involved in the play, that they can just go after him because the quarterback situation is not one to be desired in Toronto right now. I don't even know where to start with this last game of the week, but the Calgary Stampeders dominate the Riders 37-10. to 10. This, this game forced me to drink. You know, I think one of the big worries in this one uh, for the Calgary Stampeders, I don't think anybody thought Nick Arbuckle would have a... A bad game. He's been in the system for three years. He's been behind Bo Mitchell for three years and Dave Dickinson. He's been in that system and he made plays in the preseason. He made plays, you know, last week, as recent as uh, last week, but they were really banged up coming into this game and I think people thought the Riders would be able to control this one. As far as the Riders go, I think the worry was that well, they were injured too. You know, there's injuries on the O line, and Nick Marshall wasn't able to play in this one. Shaq Evans ended up leaving the game. Another zero for my fantasy team. Uh, you know, Brett Lowther, Christian Jones, they were all hurt in this one. But the worry was that, you know, they just played on Monday, then they have to go play again on Saturday. That being said, we just talked about a team in the Toronto Argonauts that were in the exact same situation, except they had to travel back 
uh, to Toronto and play BC in that one. And I know they lost, but they did compete with BC a lot better than Saskatchewan competed with Calgary. I think, you know, every team has been able to run on Calgary so far that the Riders would be able to run it down their throat, but there mm-hmm. was none of that happening in this one. No, William Powell, 14 carries, 50 yards. Uh, you know, Thigpen had three. Fajardo rushed six times. Uh, you know, they just shut down the running game so quick, it seemed, that they, they, nothing could come of it, and they only threw the ball 28 times. Like they did not, they did not have the ball for very. I mean, they 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 had they won the time of possession, but it just seemed like the the possessions were so ineffective. And obviously, they were. They only scored nine points. But I mean, when your when your two quarterbacks are throwing fifteen and thirteen passes respectively, and you're only twenty three rush attempts, I mean that you don't you're not using your time very effectively. Well, it looked like the Stampeder defense, they were prepared. They're well-coached. Uh, they're always well-coached. But they, they wanted to take away that mm-hmm. deep throw from Cody Fajardo because that's what he did so well against Toronto. That's what he did yep. so well against Ottawa. They just had a great deep ball. But the Stamps, they just took it away and dared them to beat them underneath and dink and, and dunk burned. their way down the field. Twice by Trey Roberson. <laughs> I do have to mention... Solomon Means on defense, who looked very inept, inept. Yeah, he, he just had an absolutely brutal game back there, and I think the Stampeder game plan was probably uh, to to pick on him a little bit. I know Nick Marshall was hurt, but they really picked on uh, on Means here. I don't know what it was if the Riders were looking ahead to. Uh, the bye week or, or something like that. Uh, I'm, I mean, but back to means, you want to talk about penalties. Oh, the Riders, you know, after halftime, they have a big return from Luches Purifoy. It was, you know, 15-3 at halftime, and then the Rider offense is able to finish that drive. It's 15-10. All of the... All of the momentum in the world. And they pin Calgary deep. Calgary has to start a drive in their own two-yard line after a, after a penalty there. And then Solomon Means ends up taking a 40-yard pass interference penalty. A few plays later, the Stamps are in the end zone, and it's 22-10. to 10. And it just kind of looks like the game is out of reach there. But Means, he had an illegal contact. Earlier in the game, he had another pass interference. Earlier in the game, he just had a rough night with penalties. And I know the bye week's coming up. He might be he might be worried. Uh, I mean, he had a rough game. And if you got a Canadian in Buka and Means is getting burned like that, why not just throw the, the Canadian in there? And it's only one play, but it, it, it was a play that just cost them so much. And he becomes a scapegoat, which sucks, but... Uh, you know, it wasn't the only play that lost him this football game. There's lots of other opportunities and people to blame, uh, not just putting it all on one guy. You know, I, I got to say, this is probably tough for you to hear because you have been a, a big Jones hater <laughs> over <laughs> your career on the Two and Out podcast. But I, I think Jones would have had this team prepared. He always had them prepared for West Division uh, teams. I, I know they... Uh, Calgary came to town last year and they got up to a 24 nothing lead and the Riders ended up fighting back after that. But in general, against West teams, Chris Jones had the team ready. And I think they're missing him on defense. That That is very true because this defense looks nothing like... 
I shouldn't say nothing. It's just it's just not a Chris Jones defense, and it's just so obvious compared to what we saw the last couple of years. Yeah, I know there were some losses. Mm-hmm. You know, Willie Jefferson, Sam Aguav, and Toby Antigua. But the, they still have the playmakers. Charleston Hughes, Zach Evans, mm-hmm. Nick Marshall. And there's another thing. Solomon Elamimian's a game game player. I mean, he's he's a legend in the CFL. He's a BC Lions legend, but he mm-hmm. looked like he hadn't played for a year. But you know what? He actually didn't play for a year. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's that. I think a massive thing here, and we've already t- I've already talked about Nick Arbuckle a little bit, but if you put the 19 on him and he stood back in the pocket, I don't think you would have uh, batted an eye of that. 19 of 22 for 262 yards, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He had a perfect passer rating. The guy came in and just uh, looked like he belonged on that offense. Well, and if, if, if this is what Nick Arbuckle did, in two weeks, what's Mike Riley going to do to this defense if it's the same? Yeah, I think Shivers is going to need to send the heat after Riley, yeah. just like Edmonton did. Yeah, with with everything they got, because you have to put. He, uh, we know he's going to take a hit and get back up, but you need to keep hitting him, and and eventually he's not going to get. I I know I don't mean he's not going to get back up, but he's he's going to get back up, and he's just not going to be as effective. And we we've seen that O line in BC not be that great. So, I mean, there has to be changes. If Nick Arbuckle's throwing for 262 and only three incompletions, Mike Riley's going to do more than that. I, I don't even think it's a question. I thought the O-line played okay. I know Cofield is out and Labatt is out. But Vaughn played all right at left tackle. Thad Coleman, I thought he struggled at right tackle. And Dakota Shepley, I, thought, I think he continues to get good. He, he was looking good at guard, but... They were the only team that has not been able to run the ball on the Stampeders. And I think that's because they didn't establish the run early. They decided to go with passing plays and time of possession in the first quarter was just a joke. I, I think the the Riders had less than three minutes time of mm-hmm. possession in the first quarter and uh, it just got away from them and they couldn't commit to the run after that. But those early choices, I think... Uh, you know the the consequences were felt later on. No, and that's why we both kind of thought William Powell is going to have have a big night, and he only ends up with with the fifty uh, fifty rushing yards and the one reception. Like uh, you know, Calgary came to play, and it just seemed like Saskatchewan had no answer. Uh, and now our fifth place projection is starting to look like it makes a little bit of sense. And I think we kind of felt like that when Colaros went down early in the year. Uh, the last two games for Fajardo kind of gave us a little bit of hope, and uh, he snatched it right back. I mean, 89 yards from your starter uh, is not going to go well, and, and, and Harker comes in and throws 72. They both they both turn the ball over. It just nothing seemed to work, and, and like you said, they didn't they didn't commit to the run early, which puts even more pressure on the quarterbacks, and it just it just snowballed from there. It just blows my mind that they couldn't get up. For Calgary, I know the five days, but the intensity and preparation—it just needs to be there for the West games. Well, it's, it's a four-point game, right? You, you you can't dig yourself a hole against your division. It, it makes it so much harder to dig out of uh, when you get later on the year, and the football gets so much tougher. Uh, but and yeah, like I said, the the, the defense at least uh, always seemed to be, especially last year. Uh, you know the. The, de- the defense won them those 12 games, it, it felt like. Uh, and every week in and week out, they they showed up. It, we knew what we were getting with the defense. We, we weren't sure what Kalaros was going to offer Brandon Bridge when he was in. 
but you knew coming in the defense was going to be uh, ball hawking and trying to get after the quarterback and, and getting the pressure. And now uh, it's like it's just completely different. They they seemed I don't want to say unprepared because uh, I I know that's that's not true. Uh, I mean they're professional athletes. They they would have had meetings all week and practices, but it just. I don't know if the intensity was there. And a guy I got to mention from Calgary, I just love that yeah. Fraser Sopic. He had a quarterback sack. He had five uh, five tackles. Like, that guy's a real football player. Okay, Buck Martinez, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> don't make fun. You know what? I, I can't. I'd feel so guilty if I let this podcast go and, without mentioning uh, Mike Miller. <laughs> that special teamer for the Winnipeg Blue Barbers. I think he tied the CFL record, seven special teams tackles, and he just brings that lunch pail to work. He, he plays hard. I think he had a catch, too. This guy does not much on any aspect of the game other than special teams, and I freaking love him for it. It's like, yeah, you're definitely from Saskatchewan. Oh, then. Come on, that guy's having dinner on the tailgate of the truck in the field of wheat at 1 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, I said dinner at one p.m. It, yeah, because yeah, dinner is at noon. All you weirdos that have dinner at six o'clock—it's pretty late. What did you make of Craig Dickinson's calls uh, out there? There was one where I think they were down three scores. He kicks the field goal, and they were still down three scores. And then uh, taking Cody Fajardo out of the game for Isaac Harper. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that really. Uh, I, I know mean, he wasn't getting anything done, but the field goal. No, the the field goal. It's whatever. The, you know you're not winning this football game, so just take the points and try to save some dignity. Maybe I. I don't know. It, this whole game was just after the first half. It, it, it just felt like the game was over, and it was, and it was fi- it was fifteen three, and we it, we just were like well this game is over. Right, Saskatchewan had nothing. I think they were the boys are already dressed and ready to go. Uh, you know, before the fourth quarter, before the siren went to end the game, I think they were ready to go out and just put the. They, this is a game that you. I don't even know if you really want to watch the tape. I, I think you just you burn it and and you forget it and you move on because you got two weeks to get ready for BC. Uh, you're gonna have lots of film to look at and and I think this game you just put it in your back pocket, forget about it, and move on to the next one because it was that bad. I think the highlight of this game was uh, some members of the St. Louis Blues showing up at the Stanley Cup at Mosaic Stadium. That got a great over. It was such a great moment to be in the stadium for that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, at least somebody from Saskatchewan won something. Well, I'd love to drink Pilsner out of the cup. You'd drink Pilsner out of a shoe if they got you. Oh, and how about Gainer? They, they showed the video. He's ditched the green <laughs> contacts. I, I don't think I've ever seen a sports mascot make a oh, modification after be, one week. That might they be did the it with real highlight of the night. Okay, okay, okay. You know that the real highlight of the night happened in the men's bathroom. <laughs> okay. Somebody slide their foot under the stall door and tap you, or what happened here? No, you're not even <laughs> going to believe what happened in there. So, so I walk in there. It was the perfect time. Like, all the urinals were empty. So I went to the one in the corner. Please tell me somebody came in and went to the urinal right next yes, to you. Yes, right next to me. But there's, there's oh totally more to this. You're, you're not going to believe this. We're in the corner. A guy right next to me goes, and it was inevitable. They're probably all going to fill up anyway. But then another guy walks in. They're clearly buddies, or at least they, I think they are. Maybe more. And the guy says, "Hey, you want to share a urinal?" There's the. So they no, did. Oh my god! 
What do you say? Why? <laughs> it was a <laughs> crazy moment in the oh, bathroom. Man. I mean, everybody's well, in there laughing. The golf tournament, we had to pull the bus over on the way back to Saskatoon, so all the guys could get off the bus to go to use the bathroom. It, just 16 dudes lined up in the ditch, and I looked over at Buddy next to me, and all I said was, nice watch. Kind of, kind of throws people for a loop right away, right? And then you just walk away. I don't think I'd ever share a urinal, though. But come on, they had to have crossed streams. Oh, you never cross streams, haven't they? Watched Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know, I'm just glad I was able to go to that game with my dad. I, I crushed some pierogies. He had some hot dogs. Uh, oh, we just had a great time at Mosaic Stadium, despite the despite the stinking Stampeders uh, beating the Riders uh, again. Uh, it is Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I do want to send you in the direction of the podcast, the City of Champions. Uh, Shane is the host here. He interviews interesting people doing exceptional things in, I'll give you one guess as to what city it is, Ty. I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's Boston, considering that they have done nothing but one since 1999. Well, come on, it's the Alberta Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs> he talks to people that do art, business, sports, and more. I believe the past couple episodes have been some city councillors mm-hmm. in Edmonton. But then back in May, he talked to Ken Lowe, who has spent his career in pro sports as an athletics therapist. He was with the Eskimos in 1982, a part of two Grey Cup champions. And then in 1989, he moved over to the Edmonton Oil is winning the Stanley Cup in his first year with the team, and he has been there for 30 mm-hmm. years. So check out the City of Champions podcast, as well as all the other great shows in the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We also have a partnership with Seat Giant, a Canadian-owned and operated ticketing service. Go to seatgiant.ca, all the dollars there in Canadian funds. That's the best part. You go to some of these other places, and then you get surprised in your credit card because yeah it was american dollars and we kind of get screwed when it comes to that but if you go to seat giant not only is it canadian you use the promo code apn uh, at checkout you're going to save five percent on your purchase and you're also going to support the alberta podcast network at the same time so all the week five cfl games they're on there if you don't have tickets yet seatgiant.ca promo code apn you will save yourself five percent on your ticket order. Ty, I guess I've got some positive news about week five. The Riders are going to be undefeated. If you want to look for a silver lining, yeah, I, that is very true. They cannot lose They cannot lose this upcoming week. You know me, always looking on the bright side of things. We will talk to you Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.